0: Hello friends and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you enjoyed this episode and want to stay tuned for the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, look no further than following, liking, and subscribing on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Doing so ensures you'll never miss a brand new episode, and you'll be able to catch up on all the previous episodes of our show. On tonight's episode, with the Jets taking a bit of a recess until tomorrow night when they are on the road against the Montreal Canadiens, I thought it'd be interesting to check in on the Manitoba Moose in the meantime. They're currently playing a series against the Toronto Marlies and actually just finished their game tonight against Toronto, which I thought was a very interesting game because it's probably one of the few that I've watched where I felt like Manitoba actually played pretty decent hockey. Let's start off with the not great stuff though before we talk about the Positives later because I think that the stuff that's maybe a bit of an issue is something that I think Manitoba isn't really going to be able to fix necessarily unless the Jets make a couple of roster moves. So, the first thing that Manitoba really struggled with tonight was goal scoring. This is something that's been an issue for this team in general, just because when you look at the roster, there's a lot of guys on this team who are probably punching above their level. You have a lot of players who are more used to ECHL level play. And the Moose kind of want to save a little bit of cash, especially with a lack of revenue, so they've elevated some of these players to the AHL system where it's been a little bit of a struggle. You know, you've got a couple of guys like uh, rookies in, in Nathan Todd who I genuinely don't know was on anyone's radar until this season. He's, I think, around 24 or so, and to be honest, hasn't really played all that many games in any of the previous AHL affiliations he's been with. But now he's suddenly finding himself getting tons of ice time for this Manitoba Moose squad because the Moose just don't really have a whole lot of offensive depth up front. Thus far, it's kind of paying off for Todd because he is actually scoring at a fairly decent clip. But once you kind of factor him and some of the other guys like Cole Perfetti, Vili Heinola, Dylan Sandberg, and some of these other more talented players out, you start to realize the Moose just don't really have a lot of firepower up front. Christian Reichel, I don't believe, was in tonight's lineup because he'd, he'd had some sort of like a back injury a couple of nights ago, so it's obvious that his offensive punch and skill is just really missed. The moose are already kind of undermanned when it comes to even-strength play, even with a fully healthy lineup, so it is kind of a problem to have one of your top offensive drivers suddenly sidelined with a back injury. It's unclear as to how long Reichel will be absent, but, you know, it, it was obvious tonight that his, his flanking play and really good distribution and occasionally pretty good shots were definitely missed. The tough thing for the Moose was that because they, they had a lack of quality shooters, a lot of their really great chances that they were creating in uh, Toronto's slot just went a little bit unrewarded. You know, this is a situation where somebody like Kyle Connor would be a fabulous addition to this team. Not necessarily somebody on that level of talent, but that kind of finishing uh, ability relative to your peers. It's something that right now they just don't have enough of because they've got guys like Tyler Graevas, Nathan Todd, you know, and, and Cole Perfetti and a few others who are genuinely capable of knocking a few into the net but be Beyond that, there's just not a whole lot of offensive depth, and I think it's very noticeable when guys like Michaud, CJCs, Skylar McKenzie, and a few others get into those low slot areas but don't really convert on many of their chances. In fairness, the goaltending from uh, the Marley's goaltender in Andrew D'Agostini was actually pretty good, and I felt like Manitoba just really had a hard time getting past some of his really great reads and cross-seam movement, but uh, aside from that, I just felt like they just really don't have the kind of finishing talent that they need. You know, Nathan Todd found himself on a couple of really good rush counters, which is probably where he's going to be scoring most of his points anyways, and he'd actually have a decent amount of time to pick the corners and would send the shot wide, and it wasn't just him doing this, a couple of other shooters struggled with the same thing, so it's It's obvious that they do get the space to take the shot, but getting it on target and finding the back of the net has been a bit of an issue. It's also obvious that when, you know, Manitoba does get a power play, I feel like the lack of scoring talent and depth kind of reflects itself in the power play arrangements that we see. You know, I I definitely appreciate Leon Gavanki being a very talented shooter, and he's certainly offensively gifted, but I'm also not really sure that running, you know, two to three defenders on your power play at any one time is the exact way to go. Pascal Vincent has done the three-defender thing on the power play a couple of times this season already, which, you know, I, I understand what he's thinking in the sense that, you know, Manitoba's blue line is probably more offensively gifted than a lot of its forward units, but... That said, I'm also not really sure that overloading that unit with so many blue line skaters is the best way to go about it. You know, these guys can contribute offensively, but I don't think you want to be relying on them long term as your main shooters. What we're seeing from this team is that you've got guys like Weston Michaud who can definitely get inside the slot and attack the interior, but they don't really have a lot of finishing talent, and unfortunately some of the guys like Skyler McKenzie really haven't panned out to be high end scorers. McKenzie is probably a little bit more disappointing than some of the others just because it seemed like he probably had some of the most offensive potential among the really deep picks that uh, Manitoba has brought in. It's just tough for him to find really good shooting angles, and to be honest, I haven't really seen a whole lot from his release and his positioning that says he's going to be like a bonafide top-line or second-line AHL attacker, you know, for more than a couple of seasons. I feel like right now he is getting prime minutes just because the moose are really thin up front, but beyond that, I just haven't seen a whole lot in his game that's really stuck out to me, and certainly his last season really wasn't huge either. It could partially be the system that he's being played in isn't really suited to his skill sets, but by the same token, you also have to do produce a little bit individually. Other than that, tonight's game I felt was probably one of the more well-rounded performances from the Moose that we've seen. We'll talk a little bit about what the team is doing well and what it can improve upon in the future, as well as some roster moves that might boost this team a little bit more than it is right now, especially against genuine AHL heavyweights like we're seeing with the Marlies. Before then, though, I thought you should know a little bit about why Bilt Bar might become your protein bar of choice. If you're a longtime listener of this podcast, by now you know that I'm personally a big fan of Bilt Bar. If you've never had one, it's a protein bar that's more like a candy bar with a dark chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. Of their 12 original flavors, I highly recommend Raspberry and Mint Brownie as starting points, but if you can't decide, be sure to check out their variety box. It gives you all 12 original flavors, plus 6 brand new flavors. That's right, 6 brand new flavors, including Caramel Brownie, Cookies and Cream, Cherry barcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, and Apple Almond Crisp. I've had a chance to try all the new flavors and I have to say that Lemon Almond Cheesecake might take it for me, but I think all of them are fabulous and most of all, they're even better for you. With most Bilt Bars clocking in at under 200 calories or less, between 14-19 grams of protein and 4-5 grams of net carbs. They're low sugar, low calorie, high in fiber and high in protein, so they're great for keto diets, as well as weight loss and weight maintenance programs. To place your order, go to BiltBar.com and when you're checking out, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON20 to receive 20% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON20 to receive 20% Welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are talking about Manitoba's game against the Toronto Marlies, as well as a few overarching thoughts about the team. Before we go any further, I did want to tell you a little bit about why Locked On today should be in your daily podcast rotation. We're covering everything you need to know about the Winnipeg Jets, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. And now onto some thoughts about the uh, the, the remaining periods of this game for Manitoba versus Toronto. This was an interesting game because usually whenever we've uh, talked about the moose, they have gotten plastered. This game they actually took it to the Marlies and I feel like there's more positive takeaways even though Manitoba still ended up losing in a little bit of a heartbreaking fashion. There were a couple of sequences where um, you know, Toronto was able to capitalize on some defensive miscues, a poor PK. And a few scoring chances where the Moose just really didn't capitalize, and I feel like that's the main theme on the night is that, you know, Manitoba actually created a lot of havoc down low, but they don't have the shooters to actually take advantage of it. What I was impressed to see was that the defense was actually very well organized, and I felt like the puck movement, the offensive sequences, the activations, all of them looked very good. I liked seeing Vili Heinola being very creative. Whenever he's in possession good stuff just seems to happen. When he's especially possessing the puck inside the offensive zone, those were often some of Manitoba's most dominant shifts, where it was really hard for the, the Marlies to clear the puck out and escape the moose pressure. I felt like these sequences saw Manitoba being its most creative, really good puck movement, lots of good cycling, lots of really good pinch-offs to keep the puck inside the offensive zone, and of course it had to be Heinola on the ice. Now, there were a couple of other really good defenders I felt, and uh, you know, Dylan Sandberg, I thought, had some really good transition skating. I liked the way that he moves to the neutral zone and despite not having like a really fast top end speed I feel like he's like a moderately quick skater you know for a guy his size he's 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 mobile enough and especially in the agility department he's got great edge work but of course you do notice that his like first and second steps maybe aren't super fast and in a couple of sequences he did get beat on the outside by a you know a really fast Marley's forward but thankfully he was actually able to recover and get that positioning and actually force the player off the puck a couple of times Given the pressure of the situation and the play that, you know, Sandberg would be forced to make on these sequences, it was actually very impressive to see him really pull it off. Usually the, uh, you know, the default play is to shove the guy and maybe get a stick in there, and oftentimes it leads to a penalty, but Dylan actually navigated this very well. He played like a more savvier veteran, made the smart plays, muscled a guy just enough to get inside and impede the puck carrier, but not enough to get like an interference or a holding call of any sort. He just sort of worked over his mark and then force the turnover, or at least, you know, stop the momentum of the skater enough to get the puck back and force a counter the other way. So, overall, I was really impressed with Sandberg. I felt like offensively, he doesn't quite jump into the rush a ton in terms of, like, being a guy who drops below the faceoff circles, but when it comes to leading rushes to actually get into the offensive zone, that's where you see Sandberg really shine. He's very aggressive through the neutral zone. I feel like his defensive zone exits when he's in possession are also very strong. He's like a very physical, powerful skater, and you can often See him captaining a breakout if it's him on the ice. The other guy that's his partner and, and somebody that I've I've slowly kind of been impressed with as as the games wear on is Leon Gavanki. You know, Gavanki is somebody who I've I've kept an eye on for a while now. And tonight I felt like he was super unlucky. He rang one off the crossbar, and he might have actually hit the post in another sequence, but generally speaking, I just like his shot selection, his vision is very good, his skating and center of gravity are both really good, which allows him to kind of open his body up and look for a really good shooting opportunity, especially on the power play where he's often deployed. He's been used on, like, the left faceoff circle as, like, a one-time option, which for the most part has kind of worked out as, you know, another shooting opportunity because, to be honest, the rest of the forwards don't really have the one-timer or release that Gavanki does but the slight downside is that it's often telegraphed when it's going to be going to Gavanki and that that shooting lane can be disrupted pretty easily so that's one thing that I feel like the moose need to work on is just creating more offensive variety their power play movement when Profetti heinela and Gavanki are on the ice looks good I feel like they're very talented together. You know, Perfetti's very good down low. He's got a monster shot. And, of course, we know that he and Heinola have really good chemistry and and great overlapping routes, so it's not surprising when they actually click together and, you know, pull off a couple of really great sequences. The thing that's interesting to note is that, you know, Gavanki right now is, in fact, that de facto left-wing one-timer instead of being, you know, a, a point man, which I feel like is... An interesting choice. I sort of wonder if he's actually more useful up at the point and maybe splitting him and Heinella onto different power play units. Not really sure. I think the Moose would feel that they have to trust their forwards a bit more to do that, which they just don't. And that's, that's a little bit of a shame because I feel like the Moose do have enough forward talent to maybe sort of muddle their way through this, but, you know, if they do want to overload it with D-men, I guess it's okay. The only issue is that I, I feel like Manitoba's forwards are actually pretty decent at getting into that slot area. Once they're actually out of their own defensive zone and getting up the ice, they can create a lot of havoc down low, which might be better for somebody who can shoot from distance like Ivanky. Like I said earlier, I thought Michaud and a few others were really good. Cease even had a nice deflected goal from Jimmy Oligny, and this was just a really good cross-slot route from Cease to see that opportunity and see him and essentially break it wide open, But again, you know, guys like Cease and Michaud and the rest of these players, they don't really score all that often. You know, Yono Luotu is another guy who probably doesn't have a lot of high-end offensive upside, but again, he can crash the net and create rebound opportunities down low, which is where I, I think, you know, the Moose are going to have to start prioritizing those opportunities. With the way that the power play works right now, especially when you overload it with Gavanki, Hainala, and Perfetti, I feel like it's often looking for the perfect pass for that one-timer, but given the Moose roster situation, I feel like you have to start looking for more greasier opportunities and creating havoc and chaos. Feed on that a lot more and let the, the skill guys sort of clean up on the messes there because I feel like Perfetti, Heinola, all those guys, they're smart enough to recognize where the puck's going to shoot out and they can actually capitalize on those chances, but they have all of these like, more scrappy, lower-skill guys who sort of crash the net and, and essentially physically engage in front of the goalies to sort of set up screens and just be a general pest. And I feel like you're not taking advantage enough of that especially with the AHL being as chaotic as it is, I feel like the Moose could create more offense by just sort of throwing stuff in between and trying to look for deflections and dirty goals. It did seem like they were doing that a lot more tonight versus other games where they're usually getting shelled and spending, you know, successive shifts inside the defensive zone, so I I do think there was some sort of an adjustment, and it feels like they were just peppering the net from almost any angle. Sometimes that's not super productive, especially if you have a lot of high-end shooters, but, you know, this being the Moose right now on the roster not really having a lot of skill, I feel like there's a approach of just going for volume is probably the way to do it. You just sort of have to throw crap at a wall and see what sticks. The Moose, however, could have things turn around if a couple of key changes to the roster personnel are made. We'll talk about what those additions might look like in just a moment. Before then, though, I wanted to tell you a little bit about why BetOnline.ag should be your one-stop shop for all your online betting needs. When it comes to online betting, it can feel a bit like the Wild West when you're searching for a site to do it. Half the places probably look super sketchy and aren't all that user-friendly. If you're tired of searching and want the safest, most reliable, easiest, and fastest way to do online betting, look no further than BetOnline. They've got you covered for all the sports action you love. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are all in full swing. And if you're more into international soccer, tennis, or any other sport, they've got you covered there too. If you're not even into sports, BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, featuring real-time, updated odds, and props on almost anything you can imagine, whether you think you know the next Stanley Cup champion, or who's getting voted off your favorite reality TV show. BetOnline also features all the news, scores, and odds you need to make the most informed bet possible. Getting started is super easy. Just log on to BetOnline.ag on your mobile device or on your desktop browser, and when you register for a free account, be sure to use promo code On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing out some thoughts from uh, a game against the Marlies with the Manitoba Moose. I've been watching the Moose a lot more frequently now that I've subscribed for AHL TV. I used to not really be interested in it, but, you know, since this season is kind of unusual and I definitely needed some stuff to talk about in between the Jets game days, I thought I would take a little bit, uh, you know, of a deeper dive into the Moose. And I picked a very interesting season because, like I've mentioned earlier in this podcast, this Moose roster arguably has some of the worst forward depth any of these Moose squads have ever had. The lack of goal-scoring prowess is really apparent on almost every shift, and it's unfortunate because I feel like the Moose, especially in a game like tonight, where they were actually able to crash the slot and create a lot of low net front chaos, there just really wasn't anyone to finish those opportunities, which is super frustrating for me. To help improve the situation, I think the Jets need to make the move and send Christian Veselinan and David Gustafson down to the Moose. They're not playing right now. It doesn't seem like Paul Maurice is all that interested in bringing them into the lineup anytime soon. So, to me, it just doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of sense in having them sit on the squad if they're, you know, just sort of collecting dust and and getting rusty. I feel like both of them need game action, and specifically pro-level game action, so send them down to the moose. In the longer-term picture, I think both need to go down because, to be honest, I I feel like the moose desperately need the support, and frankly, so do the prospects playing for the moose. All these kids who are right there right now are, are definitely getting killed out there just because they're not really getting a whole lot of support from the rest of the roster. You know, some of these guys are really trying hard and trying to punch above their weight, but it's obvious that right now Manitoba is kind of getting run out of most of these games. Even though their record doesn't look that bad, I think anyone who's watched this team knows that the roster is definitely a little bit on the thin side. Gus and Vesselinen won't be able to cover all of their issues, but I think they'll do a lot for the forward depth, and I think it gives, you know, guys like... Um, Cole Perfetti, Billy Heinola, and Dylan Sandberg a little bit more offensive support and lets Pascal Vincent run a little bit more of a balanced power play. They just need to rework the depth situation because right now it's almost untenable and, and the Moose don't really have many AHL quality forwards. I feel like they're running about a half ECHL roster right now which is fine in some ways. It saves money and it lets you see what you've got in some of these guys who haven't been playing at the AHL level very long but it also does create an environment that's not really great for the prospects to develop so bringing in some of the guys who have a little bit more experience and who are certainly familiar with how the Moose play, wouldn't be all that bad. The nice thing is that the forward core is the main issue right now. As far as like the, the net minding and the defense are concerned, I think the Jets are, are pretty much set there. The Moose have what they need, so Winnipeg doesn't have to really worry about assigning anyone like that down. You know, you could try and get Logan Stanley minutes, but that, that blue line down there is already crowded, and I wouldn't want to see guys like Declan Chisholm and Jonathan Kovacevic sitting. Chisholm definitely needs the AHL experience. I thought he was uh, he had a couple of fun shots tonight, but again, he's still working on getting acclimated to this level and sort of working on his defensive reads and gapping a little bit in terms of his attacking prowess and edge work, he certainly got those in spades. It's just the rest of his game that's still developing, especially at the pro level. Stanley's probably at the level where I think you don't really want to be playing him too much more at the AHL level just because I feel like he doesn't have much more to prove there. Let him play in the NHL, and hopefully they find a way to get him into the Jets lineup right now because he's sitting on the bench, and I feel like that's not very productive. You know, you've got a guy like Nate Beaulieu who's supposed to be like a penalty killer and all this other stuff, but in fact, a lot of the traits that he's been brought in for, he doesn't really excel at. He's definitely a leader in voice and action, it's just, in terms of like the on-ice performance, that's where you start to see some issues with his game, and I, I feel like Logan Stanley has only been given a few tries, and it's not really enough. Let Logan develop at the NHL level in a weird season and, and see what he can do. I think he can be effective in a third-pairing role, and he can definitely help stabilize this lineup a little bit more than it is right now. I'd be curious to know your thoughts on this and what you've seen of the Moose and whether or not you like what the Moose are doing or if you think they need to make some roster moves as well or if you just think there's nothing to really do because the Jets are trying to save money and we just sort of have to live with the roster situation. Let me know your thoughts on the Manitoba Moose at Living Loco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. That will wrap up tonight's episode. We'll have some coverage tomorrow of the Montreal Canadiens versus the Jets and here's hoping for a road win for Winnipeg. That will do it for us tonight though. Before you log off, be sure to check out Locked On NHL. Every Wednesday on Locked On NHL, Take a deep dive into the Western Conference with Sarah Avampato of Locked On Kings and Tom Gazzola of Locked On Oilers. Whether it's a look at top-end contenders like Vegas and Colorado or breaking down the rebuilds of the Kings and Blackhawks, Locked On NHL has you covered on Western Conference Wednesdays. Subscribe to Locked On NHL on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, and as always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!